Amen. Just stand with me. If you're at home, please just read along. Um, at a very, <laughs> well, I'm not going to get into that joke about, about church online. But, um, I want you, as we have been doing, as we have been doing to, to highlight or underline some key things that we're going to look at as we go through. So it says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Want to underline that? In particular, we're going to look at that word repent. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. Prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. That's key right there. It's time for us to prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. It says, John's clothes were made of camel's hair. And he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of Jordan. Here's what they did. Confessing their sins. <coughs> Excuse me. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan. So they confessed their sins, they were baptized. But when he saw many of the Pharisees, these were temple people, our church people, regular attendees, always there for the rituals. When he saw them coming where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brother vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, if you have repented, show or live as if you have repented. Show fruits. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God will raise up children for Abraham. The axe has been laid to the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Says I baptize you with water. For repentance. But after me comes one. Who is more powerful than I. Whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you. With the Holy Spirit. And fire. His winnowing fork. Is in his hand. And he will clear the threshing floor. Gathering his wheat. Into the barn. And burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We repent for the kingdom of God is near. We confess our sins. 
turn away and we turn to you. Lord God Almighty, we not only want to or have experienced water baptism, we want Holy Spirit baptism and fire baptism in this time. God touch every heart this morning. Every person in this room. God, it is not by coincidence that we are here. As you ask us the probing question, are we ready? Are you ready for revival? We have come, Lord God, so we can make straight path for your entry, your grand entry. God, we want our hearts to roll out the red carpet so the king of glory can come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. He is the king of glory. We thank you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, church. You may be seated. The goal of this message on we are ready, are we ready for revival? It's very simple. It is so that we can learn how to prepare our hearts and lives for revi- revival and to experience the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in new and life changing ways. So that's the whole idea is how can we prepare our hearts and how can we prepare our lives so that revival can actually take place that life can come again spiritual life real spiritual life this message will also help prepare your heart for true revival by a holy spirit led change of mind in repentance it must be spirit led change that takes place at the mind level that goes to the heart level that comes on and then affects the life level. We have to have a change of mind and we must have a change of heart. This message will also illuminate the elements of a changing of the mind in genuine repentance and and lasting heart change that are prerequisite for revival. What that means is that if you are going to experience revival, there must be mind change and there must be lasting heart change. Many of us, we have changed how our appearance is, but we haven't changed how our heart is. Remember when we spoke about earlier, we talked about transformation and reformation. And we said part of reformation, reformation is like this. You can put on makeup and look completely different. It doesn't mean that you have changed. Looking different doesn't mean that you have actually changed. Amen? I mean, I mean, in these days how perfumes are and lotion and all of these things, you can be dirty but look clean. In, In fact, you could smell clean but you're really dirty. Because putting on cologne don't mean that you have transformed from a dirty person to a clean person. What it means is that you have put on some sweet stuff and some dirty stuff. So you haven't actually transformed, but some reform has taken place. So repentance is not reforming, it is transforming. And so transformation is like when you have the car. You know, the kids have to transform a car. When it is transformed, it becomes a 
man. One of those toy soldiers kind of a thing. You know what I mean? It turns into something completely different. So until there is a complete change, there is no transformation. So it must start in the heart. Too many in the church today want to look different, but don't want to be different. So we talk about revival in our churches. But too often we don't think about what it takes to get to the place where revival can take place. There must be preparation and changes in order to make the environment right for a movement of God. If we want God to move mightily in our midst, there are certain things that must change. Certain things just can't be the same. Things have to change. And that is why a wedding day is different from any other day. Everything changes for a wedding day because it's a big deal. To experience revival, it is asking for God to do a big deal. And therefore, everything about that day or that time need to be different. The bride looks different. The groom looks different. The decor in the place looks different. I mean, everything changes for a wedding. And everything must change for a revival. We can't be doing what we did last year and expect we're going to have a new revival this year. I mean, everything is changing. Now to travel overseas, you have to have COVID tests and and, and all of that, and you have to be vaccinated with particular vaccines, and you have to go through quarantine, so things are changing. And in the same way, I mean, this is like, you want revival? Things have to change. But people pray for revival, but don't prepare for revival. Let me say that again. People will oftentimes pray for revival, but don't prepare for revival. Prayer is just step one. There must be preparation. So remember that true revival is a mighty move of God. Not something that mankind can control or dictate. Alright? That's, that's I've given you some stuff that not, not in your notes. Because I want to lay the foundation. You know I have this very long introduction. Don't worry about it. Right? So, so here's the thing. Right? So I'm not asking us because many, many churches do this. They say that they have been revival. And what they do is they, 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 they do things differently to coordinate revival. So here's our revival work. We prepare our hearts for God and then God turns up and revival starts. Revival, God don't come and join revival. When God comes, it starts revival. So you can't have revival service don't start until God turns up. Are you following me? So when people say they're having revival service for God to turn up, there's no revival. Because the only time revival begins... Is when God shows up. 
Have you ever seen a wedding started without the bride? If, you, if a wedding started without the bride, you were the groom and the wedding didn't happen. It means it started and ended before the bride got there because you changed your mind. But you can't have revival until, it can't start until God turn up. It makes sense, right? Because if, it, if revival is God's manifest presence and experience his divine power, it can't happen unless he's here. But God is not going to force revival upon those who aren't ready and don't seek it or desire it. But there are certain things that must be in place for revivals to break out. You see, a national revival of great awakening, awakening proportion, proportion is something that seems like it may never happen the way our country is currently going. We may think that, boy, how, how is this going to happen? And we know things must reverse course to bring spiritual change. Things have to reverse and sometimes you look at it, you think like things are getting worse instead of getting better. It's prime time for a revival. Amen. In other words, here's what is going to happen. God is going to say, listen, all right, now you don't know. Now you don't believe. I'm going to turn up. Because God is coming to revive. If, if, what, what, what our text says, I, I don't want to go ahead. It says, repent. It says, voice, prepare ye way of the Lord. Speaks about um, the coming wrath of God. Right? Let me, let me just go through. It says, in those days, he said, repent. He says, a voice calling out in the wilderness prepares the way for the Lord make, make straight path. And he was closing all of that and he comes down and he comes down and he comes down. He says, confessing their sins and he comes down to the Pharisees. And he says, you brought a vipers who warned you to flee from what? So he says that, he says that repent for what? What is near? The kingdom of what? I want you to, under, the kingdom of heaven is near. Then he says to them, who warn you to flee from what? The coming wrath. In other words, though heaven was coming, wrath was also coming with heaven. You realize that in the same passage, addressing the people, heaven was coming and wrath was coming with heaven. Do you see that? So when you see these things happening and you feel like the wrath of God has been unleashed, revival is also near. But revival must also happen within our individual churches and lives because the church is where God brings his change to the world. Revival can also come to our hearts and lives. But, but we must be aligned our hearts and our lives must be aligned with the Lord. And so, so many times we see an issue and we think only about the symptoms rather than the problems. You see, too many uh, believers today desperately want the Lord to bring revival and sweeping change into their lives. But they don't want to get in, 
in the, the right heart posture. In other words, people want revival, but the change that God wants to make in their heart, they are not willing to do it. They are not willing to forgive. They are not willing to release. They are not willing to show mercy. They are not willing to, to show kindness. They are not willing to hate sin. They are not willing to love righteousness, but they want revival. Revival won't take place until we have our hearts changed and our minds transformed. That's how the preparation is made. Right? It's like we want the reward and the great things, but not the effort or the dedication to arrive there. We all must work inward and see if we are indeed ready for the Lord to bring a revival that is both corporate and personal. We need to check our hearts. God, am I really ready for this revival? So God is willing and able and he desires for his children to draw closer to him. So if there is a problem in spiritual areas, the problem is with us and not with him. And this is where the problem is today. Why hasn't revival taken place all these years? It's not God. It's us. And so we need to align our hearts today, right now, and to get things right. How further do our nation need to decay for the church to begin to be and do what God has called her to be? How long are we going to wait on Jamaica to change and the church remains the same? Listen, before God, this is in your notes now, we're just getting there. Don't worry. It's just six points in six minutes and we are whoosh out of here. So don't worry, all right? Before God brings change, he shakes things up. Before God brings change, he shakes things up. So let me ask you again. Do you want revival? Because if God is going to change things, He's going to shake things. So the question is, do you want things to shake up? I'm not talking about because some of us want things to shake up with the parliament. And shake up with the police. And we want things to shake up with the vaccine. We want things to shake up with everything outside of us. So let me ask you again. Do you want things to shake up in your life? Why? Because things are going to shake. Because God's coming change is good news and bad news. For some people, it is repent for the kingdom of heaven has come. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. For some is you brother vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Wicked deceivers who warned you, imposters and tricksters, know that as a man sow, so shall he reap. You double minded, two faced, grease can who warned you, 
Wrath is coming. Because revival is coming. Are you ready? So be careful what you're coming for and what you're praying for. Because some, it is a word of repent for the kingdom of heaven comes near. For others is, wrath is coming. Because there is no fruit of true repentance in you. Good news and bad news. The bad news is that some things must be torn down. The good news is something better is coming. Better days are coming. By and by. That's revival. But some things have to be torn down. The house has to be knocked down. The relationship. Listen. Sometimes to get the right relationship, the wrong one has to be torn down. You, you understand me? Sometimes to get the good house, the old house just have to just... Yeah. yeah. Sometimes to get the right job, you have to lose this job. In other words, listen, there's some things that need to be torn down, some altars that need to be torn down, some stuff in our lives that need to go down so some other things can come up. And that is why when people are doing farming, what the first thing they do, they tear down some stuff and plant some new stuff. Because they know that if you plant the new stuff with the old stuff, you're going to have problems. So just certain things right now in the life of the church needs to be torn down, torn out, ripped out. When God plants in new ground, great things result. That's what God wants to do. New ground. Our hearts be new ground that he plants into. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 1 from 9 to 10. It says, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdom. Why, 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 why? It tells you why. To root out and what? And to pull down. To destroy and to throw down. And then he says to build and to plant. So there are things he says, I've put you over the nations and the kingdom to root out and pull down. Are there things in our hearts and minds that need to be rooted out? Need to be pulled down? Strongholds and principalities and powers, ideas and stuff that are there that we believe that are not aligned to scripture that need to be torn down. Stuff in our hearts that need to be rooted up. Things in our lives that need to be destroyed. High things that we have exalted above God that need to be thrown down. All of this need to happen so that there is a building and a planting of the real stuff that takes place. That's real revival. Listen, nothing, no building and no planting is going to take place until there is a uprooting, a pulling down, a destroying and a throwing down of some things. Don't know if you know, like this whole word uh, that, was, that John the Baptist gave, it, it, it happened uh, after what you call the intertestamental period. And that is the period between, the 400 years period between Malachi and Matthew. 
And many people call it the silent years. So right, this was a period of about 400 years of silence. In terms of God speaking to or through his people between um, the end of Malachi and the coming of John the Baptist and Christ. And so this was a time of great political upheaval and change in Israel. It was when you have like, have you ever heard people talk about the Maccabee Bible? Alright, during this period was during the Maccabee brothers time. Um, they are called the silent years in the Bible. So though in your Bible you see Malachi and then Matthew, there's a 400 years time span between both testaments. It's called the intertestamental period. Alright? So, so, so now you, you're kind of getting a picture of where John is coming from when he comes up. So, so in fact, Daniel prophesied that there would be a string of successive kingdoms that would rule over the land and it turned out to be true. The Old Testament closed uh, during the Persian kingdom, right? The Greeks, Romans, and even a, a short and, and tumultuous time of independence ruled the land in this period, right between this 400-year period. This was a time of a dwindling faith that was in desperate need of God, of good news of Christ. So in this time, it was very, it's like no. Like, where are the prophets? Where are the word of God? Where are the things of God happening? It would almost feel like there's political unrest. There's, you understand me? People rising up all over. All kind of things happening all over the world, not just in Jamaica. But many things happening even in our island. And, and, and we know, the thing is that the church knows that something is missing. We know that there, there's something that ought to be happening at a spiritual level right now that's not happening. And we need to tap into what's holding, holding it back. So prophecy is a source for what is coming. So John the Baptist fulfilled prophecy. So when John the Baptist comes and speaks after this 400 period, he's actually fulfilling prophecy. So if you go back to Isaiah chapter 40 from 3 to 4, it says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Right? So you see so John the Baptist is now fulfilling what Isaiah prophesied years ago. Right? This is Isaiah. This is not, this is not what we just read in Matthew. Isaiah chapter 43 to 4. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight the desert a highway for our God. Verse 4 says, Even valley, every valley shall be exalted. And every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. John the Baptist comes and he fulfills this. Speaks about also the return of Elijah in prophecy. In Malachi chapter 4 and, and it is fulfilled in Luke chapter 1. Right? Elijah was one of the most godly and powerful figures in the Old Testament. Malachi, the final writer of the Old Testament, before the intertestamental period, wrote about the return of Elijah before the final days. So Luke 1 describes John the Baptist as fulfilling this prophecy and coming like Elijah. So they believe that John the Baptist is Elijah returned. Amen? Right? 
So, coming like Elijah, who had to make difficult proclamations to a group of people who didn't want to hear them. Elijah was a man, you remember what happened to Elijah? At the time, he had to even run from Ahab and, and Jezebel because they didn't want to hear. In fact, they called him the troubler of Israel. Right. You remember that? That's what they call him because he, the king said, every time this man come on chat, I'll be a problem. Get rid, Jezebel said, get rid of him, man. This man I, open his mouth, kind of a thing. Then, then he had John the Baptist. John the Baptist was kind of the same thing until they had to have him beheaded because every time John the Baptist spoke, people get vexed. So Elijah was a man of wisdom and vision from God, um, whom God, from God, whom God used before he had something mighty in the land. B- before he did something mighty in the land. Which is exactly what John the Baptist was to do before the appearance of Christ. So in the Old Testament, every time God was, during Elijah's time, God was going to do something big, then Elijah would speak. John the Baptist was like this. In the New Testament, that every, when Christ was about to return, Make his entrance and transform things. Here it is that John the Baptist was there preparing the way. So both the prophet Isaiah and John the Baptist were described as being the voice in the wilderness crying, Make ready the way of the Lord. So let me read a couple of things. So you Malachi 3, verse 1 and Malachi 4, 4 to 6. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Luke chapter 1, 16 to 17. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So John the Baptist in his time was to make the people prepared for the Lord. What does that mean to you and I? So it was Elijah, right? It was John the Baptist. Today, who is Elijah? Who is John the Baptist? In other words, the same role that Elijah played in the Old Testament, John played in the New Testament. And in this testament that we are living in, we are to play the same role. So the context of this scripture is that we are to be the voice in the wilderness preparing the way for the Lord. Elijah's heart was prepared. John's heart was prepared. The question is, what about us? So for God to come down We must go down. Don't know if you ever witnessed the landing of an aeroplane. You see, an aeroplane can't land just anywhere it wants. 
It needs a long, smooth surface for landing. Often a plane will circle for a long period before landing. Right? If you don't find, you know, the, the nice smooth, right, there you go. They call it the runway. Right? The same is true for revival, the revival of God. He's circling and wanting to bring us something wonderful. But there's no place for him to land. So he keeps circling. Just like that plane looking for a landing place. Can't find it. And it keeps going around and going around until the perfect landing spot is found. Christ is circling. Waiting on us to prepare the perfect landing spot. So he can land and bring revival. You see God, he's consistently circling our lives and our situation. But we often refuse to give him anywhere sufficient to land the plane. That's the problem. God is circling your heart. Circling your life right now. Wanting to land on your heart. And cause revival. But we are not giving him. The landing space. To do so. Our lives need to have. A suitable place. That is prepared. For the landing of God's goodness. So let me ask you. A very simple question. Is your heart ready for the Lord? To land on. Is your heart prepared? We sing this old song. Lord prepare me to be a sanctuary. Pure and holy. Tried and true. But are we really prepared? Because as a man sinketh in his heart. So is he. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This scripture says, guard your heart with all diligence. The scripture speaks so much about the heart of man. So the question is, what's the state of your heart? Because what is holding up revival is not the government. It's not the security forces. The pandemic is not holding up revival. It's our hearts that's holding up the same revival that we're crying out for. That is why unity and love in the church and being forgiven and merciful, the fruit of the Spirit, is important to be embedded in church culture. Because when you begin to operate like that as a church and as a people, then you're ready for revival. Listen, it's not having the right building. Remember we spoke about this last week? It's not having the right amount of people. It's not the right songs. It's not the right musicians. It's not about the right past and the right sermon. It's about the right heart. And wherever the people are, if their hearts... John was in the wilderness crying out. It doesn't matter if you're in the wilderness, if you're in the mountaintop, or if you're in the valley. Listen, the right place really speaks to our right heart. Not a physical or geographical location. And what we have measured in is measuring in, preparing the church and not preparing our hearts. So we prepare for rehearsals, but we don't prepare our hearts to come to worship. Listen, a worship team, at least ours, they take hours to prepare the songs. and Hours to, to get it together. And the musicians, hours to prepare. But the question is, how long do we take to prepare our hearts? To come to be engaged in that time of worship. 
You see, we're missing the picture. The sermon takes time to prepare, pray and typing and writing and reading and studying. But how often or how much time do we take to prepare our ears and our heart to be receptive to the word? See, we have measured in the wrong thing. We have measured in preparing the systems and the structures of the church without preparing our hearts in the church. And God is not waiting on the proper system. He's circling the church, waiting on prepared hearts so he can land. Some of us, we have other planes on the runway. We need to get them off. We're still unloading demons. Disembarking. Demons disembarking. And so what happened? God can't land. Some of us are still taking in passengers. Flight has been delayed. So the real flight can't come into the airport of our hearts and land. That is why you have to pull down, destroy. You have to get everything away to clear the path. Yeah, you ever hear old church people say, clean and clear? What do you mean? Clean and clear? Cut and, cut and clear. It's time to cut and clear. Don't know what the cut part means, but we know what the clearing part means. <laughs> cut and clear. Amen. But, but we want God to visit our situation, circumstances, and bring revival, but we want that without a good path for him. Like, we want the king of glory to come, and some bumpy old roads, and, you, you, you know, no, 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 no. The runway must be prepared for the king of kings, and the lord of lords. You remember when he made his entry, how the people get palm leaves and they put their clothes on the ground and they begin to sing songs, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The singing church, that's the same posture that our hearts are to be in. Singing out to the Hosanna from our hearts. God, his heart is prepared for you. Come in Jesus, come in God and make your landing. Prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. The scripture could have said make paths, but it expressively say make straight paths. I've never seen a plane landing and going around corners. They only do that when they're taxiing. But for the landing... Everything must be. God's revival need a landing path. And that's what the church has been missing. God is circling, waiting on the church to have the landing path. You see, when we are proud and selfish, our hearts are like mountains. And as long as our hearts are like mountains, no plane can land. 
And so Paul tells us in Romans 12 verse 3, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Some of us are too high. We have become like mountains. Our hearts are like mountains. We need to humble ourselves. We need to get low so God can land. For God to come down, we need to get down. Why? Because elevated positions make landing impossible. When we humble ourselves, our hearts are clear runways. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. What does that humility mean? That humility mean is not that you think less of yourself. Is that you think of yourself less. That humility means that I understand that I'm a sinner needing grace. Needing the forgiveness of God. That, that, that humility means and help me to understand that I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm being perfected by the Lord. Amen? The kingdom of God is at hand. So the time is now. Our text says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hallelujah. We need, we, we need experience with God's glory, not just knowledge of it, church. That's why we need revival. And repentance is a complete change of course. Remember we did this a few weeks ago. Whereas uh, I had my model, uh, Casey, come Casey, come and, come and tell them. For those of you who are not here and you didn't see the visuals online, K- Casey, you know what to do, right? Do I have to tell you? So, all right. So, yeah, there you go. All right. That, that's how it works. You don't remember. She don't remember. All right. So I'm going to help her out. She don't remember. So it, it kind of worked out that her father was, was, was standing down there, right? But don't worry, right? So we're talking about repentance. So look at me, Casey. So we're going to start here, right? So repentance is a 180 degree turn, right? Not 360. Make a 360. If you make 360, you're right where you started. Make a 90 degree turn. The thing with a 90 degree turn is that you're now double minded. Because you can see what's behind and you can see what's ahead. So you're indecisive. So you have to make a 180. Alright, so when you make a 180 turn which is repentance, a U-turn, your back is now to what was in the past. And your face is to what's ahead. Now, what Casey did last time is just, because she's not looking back, every step that she takes, she gets closer to what she's looking at. So as she kept walking, and walking, and walking. Listen, her father wasn't moving. But because she's not looking back, because you, wherever you're looking, is where you're going to be walking. Thank you, Casey. Listen, wherever you're looking, is where you're going to be walking. 
listen, people don't walk like this. You're going to end up in problems. Wherever you're looking is where you're going to be walking. So if your eyes are in the right direction, if your eyes are on the right thing, your feet going to follow. Amen? If you keep your eyes on the right thing, your feet going to follow. Because if your eyes are on the wrong thing, your feet will also follow. So fix your eyes on Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. Amen? Thirdly, we must change our actions and our minds. Have to change our actions and our mind. A mind change is not automatic with a behavior, behavior change. So not because behavior change means that mind has changed. Behavioral change is not necessarily mind change. All right? I, can tell, I can tell you that I have kids. They will change their behavior, but their mind don't change about the thing. I'm telling you. Right? So a number of external things can force behavior change. Right? Um, things, you could be, uh, you know, driving your car and because you were speeding, you're in an accident. So you decide you're going to stop speeding. So something external caused a change. If the mind, though, is not changed, Behavior can revert quickly to the old ways. Right? If your mind is not changed, your behavior could revert. That is why, instead of trying to change your action, change your mind. Because if your mind is changed, the action is going to change permanently. But if you change the action and your mind remains, it's normal that you're, 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 you go, it goes back. You, you understand me? In other words, because your mind at sometimes, at most times your mind going to get you to do what it wants you to do. Because your behavior don't control your mind. Your mind controls your behavior. What a lot of people do is that when they get into problem, they start reading more Bible and pray. Behavioral change. And as soon as the problem gone, what them do? Because their mind never change. If you change your mind about God's word and reading God's word and studying God's word, your behavior will be okay. But if you try and fix behavior, your mind going to fix your business. So, you must agree with God's mind. A change mind, a mind change usually requires a strong incentive, right? So whenever your mind and God's mind disagree, you must come to the conclusion that you're wrong. Alright? So, should you talk to somebody who's not a Christian? If your mind tells you that you can you're wrong and God is right. If your mind tells you that you're not supposed to forgive somebody, you're wrong and God is right. Anytime your mind disagrees with God, just admit I am wrong. Amen? Listen, anytime your mind disagrees with God, just come to the conclusion I am wrong, God is right. Any other conclusion you come to, you're going to fall in problems. 
I'm talking about preparing for revival. So John gives us a strong incentive. God desires to invade earth with his kingdom. That's the incentive of a changed mind. God invading earth. Repentance is not just behavioral, but mental as well. Mental as well. It's not just how you behave, it's how you think. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's time for our minds to be transformed. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That will transform metamorphosis, a complete change. Because when that happens, now you'll be able to prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You will never be able to be what God has called you to be. Do what God has called you to do until your mind changes. No matter how much behavioral reformation you go through. That is why putting a man behind bars don't stop him from teething. His behavior has changed because he's in prison. But if it's mine, don't change. That is why your prison system can't save people, you know. Because prison is for rehabilitation, not transformation. Listen, it's getting, our prison system is getting people to stop behavior, not change their minds. How do you change mind? You have to get the garbage out and get the good thing in. It's, 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 it's transformed by deleting the bad information and, and uploading new information. Because whatever information in your mind, is, that's what you're going to operate by. That is why the more of God's word is in your mind, in your heart. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Amen? Your relationship with the Holy Spirit is also important in being ready for a revival. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit. This relationship determines how much you experience God. In Acts chapter 2, you'll realize that uh, the relationship of the apostle with the Holy Spirit was what stimulated the birth of the church. The Holy Spirit often is portrayed with fire. Right throughout scripture, last week we spoke about it being portrayed by water. Um, it's also uh, portrayed with fire. And too many Christians don't have much of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Yes. They don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? It's like being set on fire. If you're on fire, you know, you know. If you're on fire, you will know without a doubt. One thing with fire is that when you're burning, you know. I'm telling you, it, it cannot be hidden. Listen, have you ever, your hand ever touched your iron? Your hand, have your fingers ever touched your stool? Listen, or a kettle or something that's warm. Whenever there is fire or heat, you know it. There is no doubt. All right? Not only will you be able to feel it, you're probably going to be doing something different if you're on fire. 
One thing that fire also does is changes things. You would be acting differently than normal. Perhaps you would be running or screaming or waving your arms or crying. But certainly, if you're on fire, you're not standing still. That, 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 that I know. <laughs> uh, that, that I know. Well, I don't know because I know. I know because I've heard. But, 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 <laughs> but people who are on fire, you can tell. People who have spiritual experiences and just act differently are one thing. They may jump and holler, but it may not be true and it may not last. But if the true fire of the Holy Spirit is upon you, it will cause you to become emotional, but it also causes you to act differently and be different. But that fire will also change you for good And for the long term, we need the fire of the Holy Spirit. That is why John said, there's one who will come after me that will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So John is saying, though you have experienced water baptism, there's a relationship that you need with the Spirit of God. Why? Because it is the Holy Spirit that introduces us to more of God. No one can come to the Father unless you are drawn by the, to the Son. Unless you are drawn by the Holy Spirit. The way you are going to know more about God, the way God is going to reveal more of himself to you, is by your relationship with the Holy Spirit. If there is a breakdown with your relationship with the Holy Spirit, Spirit, you are going to stuck in the revelation that you are in right now. The Holy Spirit won't let us stay the same inside. That's the benefit of having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Listen, if the Holy Spirit is working in your life, you can't be the same. So I can tell people who the Holy Spirit is working on, you are changing. When, when you stand in church and you say, boy, I am telling you, This person has really changed. That's the Holy Spirit. You're not just see because you you don't see just one little thing, but you consistently see a change in attitude and behavior and thinking and reasoning. And you say, Yeah, man, this is this is this person is changed. The Holy Spirit is a deposit and guarantee of more to come. That's what the Holy Spirit is. When you have the Holy Spirit and have that relationship, there is still more to come. And that is why uh, the, the, the apostle tells us in First Thessalonians 5 verse 19, do not quench the spirit. The, 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 the word quench means simply to put out a fire. Don't put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. Once again, the, the, the idea of the Holy Spirit as a fire is in view here. And we are told to not let our human spirit quench or put out the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? God has placed his spirit and his fire inside every believer. And we need to make sure not to put this fire out in ourselves or be a part of putting out the fire in someone else. The worst thing you can do is someone being on fire for God. And you kill the fire. 
No, no. Listen, don't don't fool yourselves now. Because, I mean, what some of us are calling fire is not fire. So don't 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 think no, you're on fire, so you're gonna run down kick and and you know and and you know you know exposing yourself in church in your skirt because the Holy Spirit and you don't know what you're doing. That's not the Holy Spirit. Let me just explain to you. Listen, listen, the, the Holy Spirit is full of wisdom. If the Holy Spirit moving in you and you're a female, he's not going to expose you. If you are being exposed. Just, just, just letting you know. If the Holy Spirit is moving you, you're hurting people physically. We're going to put a stop out on you. What's the point? Because we, we, we don't want the Holy Spirit to be quenched. But we don't want the Holy Spirit to be misunderstood in the church. In other words, your greatest expression of the Holy Spirit is not the noise you make. It is the fruit you produce. That's what John says. At the end of the day, if you make all the right sounds and have the wrong fruit, it's not the Holy Spirit. Amen? Come on. I mean, church has gone so long this morning. Oh, Jesus, peace. I don't know. Uh, being led by the Holy Spirit is crucial. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit. I think by now we should know at this church how you know that the Lord is speaking. You want to know? Uh, if, you, if you don't know, I mean, so tell me, Pastor. All right. So if you want to know if God is speaking, check the Bible. <laughs> That's if it's in the Bible, God is speaking. If it's not there, it's not God. Amen? Did God say it? And did God mean it? That's the first place. Alright? Find other people as well who are, you know that are being spirit led. And seek wisdom. And talk to them. Alright? We are not as bright as we think we are. And too many of us, listen, one of the biggest deception of the devil and the enemy is to tell you that don't tell people. Don't tell people their business. Listen, the truth is people know. Let, let me say this to you. Your business is not hidden. Some people just don't think you're that important to them to talk about it. That's really what it is, but they know. They just don't make it a topic in their life. Alright? Because if there's anything the devil knows about it, about you, he has told somebody else. I can tell you that because he don't keep no secret. You know what he's called? The accuser of the brethren. <laughs> so, so there's a big difference between being spirit led and being human led. The Holy Spirit is perfect and speaks for the Lord. The human spirit doesn't have the same authority. You can't speak for God unless God is going to speak to you and through you. Right? The truth is that we wouldn't understand the Bible correctly without the Holy Spirit. Let me put it another way. You cannot understand the Bible correctly 
without the Holy Spirit. So I'm saying that obviously the people who are using the Bible and did some of the things that they did didn't have the Holy Spirit. Think, amen, amen? amen. How you measure if people really know the Bible? You can't know the Bible unless the Holy Spirit is talking to you. So you know when people come to you and tell you some strange stuff, that's the devil in them working. That, that, that are the flesh. Anybody can read the Bible and tell you what it says. But the revelation of God don't come by your intellect. It comes by that revelation. God has to reveal it. You cannot, we cannot understand the Bible unless the Holy Spirit is living and working in us. Because the Holy Spirit illuminates the word for us. His word is a lamp and a light. Without him, there is no light without the Holy Spirit. We read in the Bible in complete darkness. I've heard people say, Pastor, you think you know the Bible like Mutan, like them on there? They don't know the Bible. Because the Bible don't know them. Why you understand me? For you to know the Bible. The Bible needs to know you. In the beginning was the word. And the, and the word was God. God know you? Support relationship. Hallelujah. Amen. Finally, finally, we need to we need to we need to we need to get out of here, right? Hallelujah. Don't worry when two services come, we, we won't have time to do one long service like this. Amen. But we may know general things, but the spirit knows the specifics. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Right? Um so when, when you see something general, then the Holy Spirit gives you specific things for your time and your season. From the word. Amen. So finally always desire to meet and experience the Lord. Why do, we, why do we gather together? To meet and experience God. Why do we do the purple book? To meet and experience God. Why do we do cell group? To meet and experience God. Why do we do prayer meeting? To meet and experience God. All that we do as a people of God. Is so that we can meet him. And experience him. Alright. We need more than a religious experience church. We need more from church we need more from life we need to prepare to meet god when we are coming to the building we need to prepare to experience god when we are coming to the building we heard, listen worship doesn't start when the music starts worship starts when god arrives and if we believe that god is here when we get here then worship begins. If you have to wait on people, then people are your gods. Let me say it again. If you have to wait on a song before you start worshiping, a song has become your god. The only person you need to hear from or wait on is God. And if you know that God is in your midst, then begin to worship. So God is preparing us for something and we must be ready because God is waiting and he's ready for us.
we know he's there but often we don't change anything we know that God we know that God is just right there circling and he's circling we know you know most of us we know deep down like I need to fix this 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 we know we know we need to fix it church we can't be satisfied with business as usual something has to change so we can talk about Daniel and we can talk about Jacob we can talk about Joshua we can talk about Ruth we can talk about Naomi and Rahab and Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and we can tell the biblical story but there's something different when he lands on your story our nation is saying eternal father bless our land guide us with thy mighty hand but we want him to land on a road full of mountains and hills and valleys that's not a landing that's a crash prepare he the way of the Lord why because there is no God like Jehovah song says behold he comes riding on the clouds shining like the sun at the trumpet call lift your voice it's the year of jubilee and out of Zion's hill salvation Revival comes. Says, but there's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. That's what church is about. Church is about God. Not about music. Not about sermons. Not about church is about God. Come on, just stand to your feet, church. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Jesus. There's no God like Jehovah. Hallelujah. Come on, just declare that. Just declare that God, there's no God like Jehovah. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Jesus. Come on, just write. God, just, just begin to tell me that God, I'm preparing my heart for your landing, God. I'm preparing my heart for your revival. I'm preparing my mind because you come riding on the clouds, God. Come, bring revival. God of revival, come. Said, if our earthly fathers know how to give good gifts, how much our heavenly father come on just tell him say God I prepare my heart for your revival I'm ready God Ah, God I'm preparing hallelujah straight paths Lord God for your entrance come Lord hallelujah Hallelujah. Come on, maybe you need to repent. Maybe there, there's something in your life right now. Maybe there's something on your mind right now. There's something in your heart right now that is uh, stopping the, the Lord landing and he's just 
circling. He's just circling. He's just circling. And you just need to say, Lord, I repent, God. And you need to say, God, uh, forgive me. You need to say, God, I'm going to, I'm throwing this attitude down. I'm throwing this thinking down. God, I'm destroying this thing. Lord God, I'm making, I'm making, I'm making a way for you, God Almighty, to land, Lord God, to come and start revival in me, Lord God. So we take a 180 turn. We turn from our way of sin. God, we turn to you. We fix our eyes on you. God, we say, come. God of revival, pour it out, Lord God. Pour it out, God. Come, Lord, in the church and in our lives. For we are the temple of God. Baptize us with fire. Baptize us in your spirit, Lord God. Baptize us in your fire. Hallelujah. Come on, just lift your hands and say, Lord, baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Baptize me in your fire. Come on, tell him to set you on fire. So, Lord, set me on fire again. Oh, cause me to burn and yearn and burn and yearn for more and more of you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody just need to just lift your hands and say, God, I need your fire. I need your fire, Lord. He said, God, I refuse to be human led. I choose to be spirit led. Lead me, Lord. Lead me. So we said, for the Lord to come down, we must go down. So come on, just say, Lord, I humble myself. Every, every mountain, every hill flattened right now. Everything in humility before God. Everything. Oh, every mountain, every hill. Somebody just need to cry out to him just just for a couple more minutes this morning. Just cry out to God and worship him this morning. morning and cry out to him hallelujah
hallelujah come on when he's ready worship team to come we're going to do this song behold he comes Come on, just stop in and say Jesus. Come on, clap your hands for Jesus this morning. These are the days. These are the days of Elijah. After all. These are the days. These are the days of your servant Moses Righteousness being restored And those are the days of great trials Of famine and darkness and sword Still we are the voice of the desert Crying, preparing the way of the Lord 